2: Hello, this is Monday's Manchester Football Social, talking about the weekend's FA Cup action and loads more as well. Statman Dave is here. Yep, back to talk about Manchester United. And Steve's here. Back to talk about Manchester oh. City. Do you know, we've got two things to talk about. We'll do it after the podcast. One of them was a quote, which you'll hear me talking about in the show. Riccio Pochettino saying something, a big hint he could be off to United. Yep. And the other thing, Dave, is you've been at the Masters over the weekend. We're all the old ex-football... old. The Masters? My, my age, That's back. The Star, oh, the Star yeah. Six. The Star Six, Six, Six. is Six. called yeah. now. Masters is what I remember it Where called. Oh, that? Well, so we'll have a chat about it in a minute. We'll do it okay. after the podcast. Sorry. But first, Keen. the podcast is on the way. If you want to get more of these, make sure you subscribe to the Manchester Football Social podcast. And also, if you're looking for our United or our City shows, we have separate channels for those now. Manchester City Football Social, Manchester United Football Social. Search that wherever you find your podcasts. Hit subscribe and you can get the podcast for your club, without the podcast for the other club. Nice, eh? Right, enjoy the show.
4: Manchester Football Social.
2: This is the Manchester Football Social. It's your place to talk about your team. Welcome back after the weekend. We're going to be casting a net wide over Manchester football this evening with some great stories from the FA Cup, Bolton and Oldham included over the weekend. So it's your chance to talk about your team 100% tonight. Give us a call, 311 7625. That is the number. You can tell us what you want to talk about. You can text in the show as well, 87711. For me... The FA Cup didn't lose any of its magic this weekend. In fact, I think it got a little bit of its magic back. Goal fests, giant killing, buses stuck at hotels, loads to talk about, but as always... Manchester City and Manchester United are going to be at the forefront of
1: everything we're talking about on tonight's show. And representing the Blues this evening, we have Steve McInerney. Indeed. And I want to be talking about Brahim's transfer to Real Madrid, the magic of the FA. Cup. Well, I guess he took it very seriously. And can we please sign a left back? <laughs> for the Reds, we've got Stepman Dave. Yeah, I think today for the red half of the room, we're going to be talking Fred.
4: Fred, should he be playing for Manchester United? A lot of people were critical of his performance against Reading. I thought he played quite well. So more on that later on. Our Not sure he did. We'll talk about that a little
2: bit. But let's start with the blues. Let's start with you, Steve, because I know you were upset by the departure of one of the young
1: stars at Manchester City over the last games. A little bit of context: the first time I saw Brahim play was about um, three and a bit years ago against Rill's first team. Yeah, Rill in Wales, (laughs) in the north coast of Wales. I went to see a friendly there, visit a castle on the way, of course. Uh, But we went to see that, um, and he was fantastic. This little scrawny fifteen-year-old, and it was the first time um, my girlfriend had been actually drawn into watching football because she was laughing at this tiny little whippet of a footballer running rings uh, over these, around these 30-plus-year-old, 15-stone, semi-pro footballers. Mm. Um, and I kind of fell in love with him. I thought he was a fantastic little talent, and I've been following his progress ever since. And I was gutted when he left, because not only is he a lovely lad, he's a bit of an adopted man he's also just a fantastically gifted young footballer. And we've got a decent fee for him. But I'm the kind of person who thinks football's more fun um, when you see a young lad come through. I think it's more exciting. I think it's more romantic. I don't think there's a fan in the world that doesn't think that... That. Everybody well, longs to see the youth talent coming I, through from their team, don't Yeah, they? I think it's just some people value it more than others, really. And I don't really disagree with that. I think people get every right to enjoy £50, £60 million pound signings. But I do tend to find um, it gets a little bit easier. And I just enjoy the idea of this raw young kid coming through uh, and kind of just making a name for himself at the club and being this exciting uh, young player that's only yours in terms of it's no one else's hard work. It's only coming to ours. Uh, and for me, Brahim, alongside Sandy. Sancho and Phil Foden—they were the kind of golden trio, of, golden trio of young yeah. players uh, that came through, and there's only one of them left now. Thankfully, he's a City fan, but I'm gutted because he's very talented, Brahim, um, and I think he's going to have a very good career. And you look at Sancho,
2: and you look at Diaz, and you look at Foden as well. They are three supremely talented young players, and this mm-hmm. is the criticism that has been leveled at City recently—that is, they're not giving. They've got this amazing academy that seems to have more of an ability to make money than it does make fantastic football players that then make it into the first team is this just something that city fans and any football fan that's supporting a top four team need to come to terms with that if you support a big club there is no room for taking the chances that
1: are required to blood a new young player and get him into that first team I mean I don't necessarily agree with that I agree I think a lot of people think people who are fans of academy football want to see him start every single week and I'm not I'm a realist in that sense I want to see him played when necessary City beat Rotherham 7-0 at the weekend like I'm pretty certain having Bernardo Silva uh, Danilo and all the other first teams on the bench wasn't going to change that the way I see it give Bernardo Silva a day off send him to a spa somewhere yeah. get him you know relax. he's been horrible in Manchester so let him relax somewhere get Danilo to have a break as well or whatever a walker or someone and just say have a couple of lads who deserve it on the bench and then for a Go on. I want to see young lads used opportunities when it's actually possible. I don't want us to start in the Premier League every week. I understand that. But I don't think, and history will support me on this one, that young players can't be used. And it, the way it is, if you see, I don't know, uh, someone like West Ham using Declan Rice, Academy prospect of their own in midfield, how come then 10 other players and an Academy product can't match 10 world class players in the City Academy products? It doesn't really add, to, add up to me. I mean, I, I'm very happy to be Manchester City fan, the trophies we win at the moment, but I do think um, managers, and I don't blame doing this, managers when they've got a lot of money do tend to take out the take the easy option, and they can sign players. And if I was Pep, I'd probably be signing players as well if I could. Um, but I think Chelsea are pretty guilty of it. Chelsea more than anyone, given mm. the fact they've won, uh, I think they've won countless UEFA youth leagues and FA Cups three times in a row and all that kind of stuff. Their academy is fantastic, and City and Chelsea have been um, two of the most guilty. I and mean, some people would say this makes sense given the money they've made from it. But two of the most guilty of ignoring what's uh, in front of them. Who are the team currently? But look at all the Premier League teams. Who are the one team that you go they? Bring? Bring through
2: youth prospects into the first team. There isn't one standalone.
4: There's a few. Team, do it. It, there? Tottenham you'd say, maybe yeah. maybe one that has done it over the last few years. I think a lot of players that have been talented, Pochettino has given them the chance, which obviously put him out as a as a high regard, but it is a bit of a but strange even then, one. It's few and far
2: between. I look at that yeah, first 100%. team for
1: Spurs. You've got Harry Kane. Dele Ali was bought in. Can I just add as well? I mean, I, I do think there's some encouraging signs this week, uh, this year with Foden, because I think he is involved, involved with the first team. I think he is being treated pretty well. We saw Eric Garcia play in the last round of the Carabao Cup and did really well there. Uh, so there is some promising signs. But then the, I want us to build on that now because the perception of Manchester City about a year and a half ago was really negative, which is why we lost Sancho because mm. people thought these players wouldn't get in. Hopefully, Foden's changing that a little bit now, and hopefully he'll be a trailblazer. There, but it can be done. You've got to look at you know, Alexander Arnold there, you've got to look at United as well. Dare I say, I've cast envious eyes at their integration over the years, and that hasn't really harmed their trophies in the past. Um, it can be done. Real Madrid do quite well. Real Madrid actually do better than most people think. They tend to sign some players, and I guess they've got the benefit of a B team system over in Spain, yeah. but they tend to loan them out and actually bring them back. Um, El Vasquez has done it. They've got Mario Diaz who they sold but then brought back again. Casemiro got a loan out. He wasn't the academy players, but they do this young player thing very well. Um, and Boston, are obviously famous, on done it. And mm. Chelsea, hopefully, about to show signs of doing it with Callum, um, sorry, Hudson Adoy as well. Um, it can be done. I think it just takes a bit of a a difficult choice here and then and i guess me we... does
4: it like this is the thing like you know you're looking at his his stats for this season in terms of Phil Foden he's made eight appearances in the Premier League off the bench he played 93 minutes Jaden Sancho's played 1025 exactly. minutes it's 11 times more minutes and than he's developed managed
2: as a player as a result of that yeah, i exactly, saw. exactly.
4: that Sancho that's playing. it like and again this is the game like we're saying against Rotherham where you don't need to play Edison Johnstone's Carl Walker Otamendi Grunduan, De Bruyne Jesus Sterling Mares you just don't City at home disagree. have enough quality in their academy to beat a Rotherham side at yep. home what? if it's at Rotherham different question because the pitch isn't going to be the same but because of the pitch and how everything is at the Etihad they should be turned up there with a team
1: full of academy prospects captained by Phil Foden and they should be beating Rotherham I don't see I don't. wouldn't agree with like all oh, 11 being there but you know maybe one or two in the in the li- four, lineup lineup. but like, this could be a team that City are playing in the Premier League it could be, and I think Pet wants to win the FA Cup this season. Um, I still this because, think. We, you think this because the reason they're taking this so seriously, the reason they had
2: 11 first team players out against a Rotherham team, partly was maybe at the back of his mind the Wigan game last season.
5: <laughs> Part of that. <laughs> I, I still that. have nightmares. And
2: partly because he is nervous about what he's going to win this season. Well, the Premier League, Liverpool are leading that race. And the Champions League, we know how difficult it is to win the Champions League. If he doesn't win either of them...
1: To me, it's momentum in terms of after the Chelsea game, you know, we want to carry on. And to be honest, we've not had a clean sheet in God knows how long. And then obviously we've not, we not really racked up a cricket scoring ages either. So I think there was an element of just, let's but I just think that's like that. short term versus long term. Yeah. So I think one of the reasons why they played is because Pep was making a
4: point. Pep yeah. was making a point that your standards are not been good enough. Yeah, I so that. Yeah, you're exactly. not going to have a week off mm-hmm. and you're going to have to play. But that counteracts the whole point of City's academy. Like, you need that collective
1: thought process that if Pep wants to make a point, you, you know, why do you need to do it against Rotherham? I'm hoping now, given the last round, I thought Eric Garcia was genuinely fantastic. A uh, centre-back alongside senior players. Like, Otamendi was barking orders at him. I'm hoping he keeps his place uh, against Burn because uh, he's at home once again. With all due respect to Burn. this is a team where, like Rotherham, I mean, they'll be up for it because it's a semi-final, quite literally. Um, they'll be up for it. But I think like people like... Eric Garcia. All I ever want to see is when a young player plays well, is they're is there then given another chance to show that it's not a fluke. Because I think that's a fair yeah. comment, really. Um, I, I'm not going to complain about being a Manchester City fan because in general, I think we get pretty much everything right. I still think there's a tiny bit of room for improvement um, that you think. Um, and I think Brahim leaving is a shame because I think he could have been quite special. Uh, he didn't get anywhere near the minutes even Foden got. And I, th- I think Foden's just about OK, kind of given his age. But Brahim's a year older... And it was—I don't blame him really.
2: My favourite thing about the transfer of Diaz leaving Manchester City is the anti-United clause <laughs> that is supposedly in his contract. Have you guys heard about this? Yeah, so yeah, so yeah. So top, top so burst so off, isn't, it, isn't it? Yeah. So, fifteen percent <laughs> sell-on fee whoever he goes to next, City get 50 per- 15% of that fee, which I think indicates that they think he's going to be a future talent as well. There is going to be some kind of money to be made there in the future. If he goes to another Manchester club, is the wording in the contract, <laughs> that fee goes up to 40 Poor old <laughs> Oldham. <laughs> <Yeah, exactly. Yeah. laughs> Unless Oldham or Berry are going to suddenly have a very big change of contracts or fortunes, we, don't, we know exactly you know what? who that is targeting M-
1: More of that in football, there's too much respect in football.
2: <laughs> I love that, I think it's absolutely brilliant. Speaking of respect, I did See a tweet over the weekend about the lineup for City versus Rotherham where someone a city fan suggested that Guardiola was actually showing a lack of respect to Rotherham what? by playing all the first team players and it would have been more respectful to play the youth team that's the opposite way around I,
5: isn't I it cannot I cannot understand <laughs>
1: that for a second I, I'm sure there's something there that makes sense but I cannot understand it right now um, what? Oh yeah, I'm baffled by that. It's a weird one, that. Yeah. If you want to get involved in tonight's
2: show, if you're disappointed to see a few of the decent youth prospects leaving City, I'd love to get your opinion on that. 0345 111 7625. That's the phone number to call. 87711 is the text number. Only this show could start off with a slight negative when a team has won 7-0. Very good on that. So let's take a look at the game itself, because City have certainly, over the last two games, I know it's only Rotherham, the game before that, the win over Liverpool, they've got their swagger back it would seem post Christmas
1: it all happened when we were over, off for Christmas didn't it, it did, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we've had like a whole microcosm of a season in two weeks but essentially um, that Liverpool game I want to touch on that very briefly because that was just um, cathartic that was mm. one of the most fun I've had at a stadium in a long time it was are you just...
2: going to join the Hyper Bowl because I have heard a lot of City fans I have to say going over the top with this
1: saying that
2: it was the best <laughs> ever midfield best... performance by Fernandinho that was one his... of the quotes
1: I heard That was, it was phenomenal that was yeah, the his best, best performance. ever
2: midfield performance
1: well I mean, city it, fans don't watch enough European football, do they? No, it's, it's the best um, Fernandinho performance since he joined the club, and given the fact that he's 33 and he's 34 in May, and the guy is a Jorrell's hell bunny. Um, it was fantastic, and I honestly thought. My prediction before the game that we'd go one up, then it go one all, then we'd just lose—not in a bad way, just because it'd be like the Champions League game last season. Yeah. Um, but the the bottle uh, and the desire from the players to turn that round—it was just phenomenal. And the place was roaring. There was just so much atmosphere, so much electricity in that stadium. And I just love watching it. And for me, it was all about the desire because after a very difficult few weeks, losing—you know, three out of four games—some uh, uh, some games that we were just genuinely really bad in—to see that kind of mental fortitude and to see the players be that focused after everything that was a reaction that Pep obviously wanted and that was the players giving everything and for me people like Bernardo Silva he was like this weird kind of hybrid of Kante snapping the tackles and then being David Silva as well so he had the majestic grace of his usual game but with this kind of energy and desire it was just oh, it was just so good and as anything that it feels like that's just like turned the season around when it could have been um, the kind of title race that just kind of slowly kind of meanders into nothing it was fantastic It was and,
2: really weird for me to see Manchester coming together as a whole as to wanting Liverpool <laughs> to lose that game and there's been loads of debate recently about who are Manchester United's biggest rivals is it City is it Liverpool the biggest derby or the biggest game for Manchester United in their season is apparently City versus Liverpool that seems to be <laughs> the one that seems to get the most of as excited it was a bit of a strange thing to see can they kick on from there is that and this 7-0 win is that exactly what needs to happen because still there's a long way to go in the Premier League title Liverpool are still four points ahead and it's still difficult to see them losing
1: that many games look if it doesn't I don't know what will kick on after that you know because that literally is the perfect perfect bunch of couple of results there like um, obviously an incredibly huge game though the title genuinely kind of hung on that game and then uh, a romp and we were, it was a good romp it could have been like 12-0 we were so good against Rotherham um, I'm actually interested to in see what Dave thinks of it because obviously like, I say neutral but you know relative Like as you, a as you United fan watching that and someone who's obviously a big football fan like how is your take on that? Do you think City can actually come back now? Or- I think it's
4: an interesting side because just looking at the, the next few fixtures obviously City have this run where they've got to play Arsenal at home then Chelsea at yeah. home whereas Liverpool's run over the next few weeks is is relatively easy seeing see in Brighton Palace, Leicester that's West the thing, Arm, isn't it yeah. Bournemouth and then the Champions League whereas City have got those two massive games and then Schalke which is an easy, easier Champions League draw but it's, it's still very much in it of course for Manchester City need to do it and not let the red half down. Because if they did, you know, we've defended the crown for so long for you guys to finally have a little bit of money and be in charge. You've got to do it. You know what I mean? You've got to do it. And the performance was good. And I think that was the biggest thing that it felt like... City's issues over the the Christmas break. I thought they were poor against Southampton. Yeah, they won 3-1, but oh, there were, no, they were, they were chances for Southampton. And for them to switch back on in this run of games is probably what needs to happen. Wolves is going to be a big game as well. You struggled against Wolves earlier on in the season at the, at Molineux. So again, it's Liverpool's to lose. And that's the position that City needed to be a, as consistent as they can be and win every single of the games. And You know, you think in the Chelsea result as well, What, like uh, a month ago, start of December? That was the bit of the start of the bad patch of form. Yeah. Um, And they're playing Chelsea again,
1: and they're playing an Arsenal that are going to be a little bit more up for it. I see football's quite an emotional thing, isn't it? like football and form and everything it kind of it changes in one moment a season can use you can usually just pinpoint a moment where everything seemed to change and I'm hoping I and mean, this may be the emotional kind of bias I'm hoping that Liverpool game was something where uh the year of invincibility Liverpool had that disappeared mm-hmm. and and city fans started to believe again and I'm hoping something special will happen i mean they've we've been here before been much worse than this before to be honest um as you guys will know but Yeah, I'm hoping. Fingers crossed.
2: Well, you say you've been here before, we've been also at a stage where we've been talking about Man City winning the quadruple. And it's very early
1: (laughs) days in this, but
2: semi-finals of the League Cup, four points off the top of the league. Champions League's obviously the priority. FA Cup, it looks like Pep wants to win it. If you're going to compete on four fronts, if you genuinely want to win those four trophies, which I believe the club do... Who wouldn't? Then... That's going to cause problems in it because we've seen how fragile City can be when they lose those key players. And I'm talking about Fernandinho and the Christmas wobble, if you want to call it mm-hmm.
5: that. If
2: you're going to compete for those four trophies, fixture congestion is going to get crazy towards mm. the end something, of Something will
1: give. As a realist, something will give. You know, it, it just has to. Um, I, I love the domestic cups. I think they're... Um, I think the actually is underrated because I think it's a fun competition where people don't take it too seriously. You see a couple of young stars play. Um, you get to go to Wembley, you know, pretty yeah. soon this season. I think I actually think uh, winning the trophy in February is just fantastic. I think it gives you that incredible momentum and springboard to actually go on to do something. It gives a belief in winning trophies is always fun. It doesn't matter. It is always fun. And I, I kind of did mock United a little bit a couple of years ago when Mourinho won the Europa League because it just felt funny. It's different, but you, but win, you know that, what? You won You won that. Uh, City won that one. Yeah. <laughs> no, because we've taken that one off as well as. The- <laughs> Champions League which and you guys I'll still haven't ticked off <laughs> so if you, you could fire shots about the Europa League come on and you know, like me was like I kind of wouldn't, wouldn't mind winning it because I mean I got excited when we won the League Cup last season so uh, I, I, what I'm saying is winning is fun and it does breed success uh, and the more trophies you win the better obviously I know that's pretty obvious but I think we will take it more seriously I think Pet wants to win the mm. FA Cup as well I don't know I think he does I think he likes the idea of winning that because uh, he's won he's not won it before and I felt last season if, if we'd learned how to beat Liverpool which we've seen like we have now Liverpool we would have got to the final last season That's Champions a bold League.
2: statement we've learned how to beat Liverpool
1: well, It seems we have finally I think
2: Guardiola's By 11
4: what, what, <laughs> what he
1: didn't do was play a back three which was what he did in the two, two games last season which was crazy And then obviously Anfield we, we, we were relatively comfortable at Anfield as well mm. I feel like we've stemmed their tide a little bit anyway and I think last season if we'd had that we would have beat Roma we would have been in the final against Real and I would have fancied our chances I'm not going to lie so I feel as long as we avoid Liverpool you're a crazy man. <laughs> We've <Without> had a tweet than that. We've had a tweet
2: in from an old City fan who does the Sunday show here on XS Manchester, the uh, new Sunday football social, and he says, I reckon City are in for a good six trophies in 2019, <laughs> domestic club quadruple, world club championships, and the Champions League versus Europa League. Did I even do the Champions League Super versus Cup. Europa oh,
1: Super Cup, yeah. Does yeah. yeah.
2: that still exist? Is yeah, that still, yeah. still
1: a thing? That's I think, good. I've still been drinking since Christmas because that
2: is a, a hell of a claim. Six trophies in 2019. I had wow. a great time. I went to uh, Monaco
4: just... for the Man United Zenit game. Paul Scholes got sent off for a Handball United, lost to a Danny goal. Wow. anyone remembers Danny get, in. get involved tweet us oh, do you remember Danny I remember, <laughs> do you remember Danny? Like it's for quite a while.
2: niche text in that yeah. do you remember that Danny <laughs> yes, yes, I 0345 111 7625 is the phone number if you want to get involved this evening 87711 is the text number I want to know about how you feel about the FA Cup no matter what team you support do you want to see your team lifting the trophy at the end of the season because it might not be a reality for some of Manchester teams like Bolton and Oldham but they are in the second round or the fourth fifth Fourth. Fourth round. A, a round. A round. The next round. The draw's <laughs> later today, by the way. We'll talk about that in a bit. Plus we're going to be speaking to olden manager Pete Wilde, who masterminded the win at the weekend over Fulham. This is the Manchester Football Social. Manchester Football Social. This is the Manchester Football Social. It's your chance to talk about your team, whoever your team may be. You can give us a call on 0345 7625. If you're listening live, you want to get involved. If you're not listening live, then you must be listening on the podcast, which you can get wherever you find your podcasts Just search Manchester Football Social. You can get this show where we discuss all football. You can get our City show, which is on the Manchester City Football Social, and our United show, the Manchester United Football Social. Go find them wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit subscribe and never miss a show. In the studio is Steve McInerney Uh and Statman Dave talking about their teams and how they fared over the weekend. We've boxed off City. But let's talk about Manchester United and their win over Reading. Before we get onto to that, I've got a text here from Tim in Alden, who's texted in saying there is one example that bringing youth players into a first team really works. You know what I'm going to say next? It's Alex Ferguson and his Manchester United team. Those days are gone, though, aren't they, Dave? We're not going to see another class of 92 where you get so many outstanding quality players being able to be blooded in the first team together and coming through and making a mark.
4: I don't know. I think, you know, it could still happen if the, if the quality there. You've got to remember that Fergie got rid of a lot of like, old players that season and, and went with the youth. So if you've got a bold manager that does that, then why not? You're know, speaking to Keith Gillespie this weekend, um, at an event I went to in Scotland. And, you know, he was talking about that and how it was the right time for Manchester United football club. And Fergie mm. saw that and, and credit to Ferguson. But I think with the likes of Chong and then you're looking at the Gomez, Will Greenwood, that there is this, uh, sorry, Mason Greenwood, not Will Greenwood. He's a rugby player. <laughs> but but as in this this generation that's <laughs> coming through right now, is really exciting. Jimmy Garner in midfield as well. There is a bit of a chant here that Ollie could blood some players that could be in the United team for, for a long time. Chong obviously made his debut at the weekend, came on bright on the ball, carrying it, defensively looked sound, and a good link up with Diogo Delo. Um, you know, Especially there was those one move, I remember, where they combined a good ball into the box. And those two, when they've played in the under-23s together, have looked really good. So that's United's right wing. You've got two exceedingly good young players. Arguably Chong could be the best winger in his age group. Diogo Delo, as Mourinho said, is the best fullback in his age group. Yeah. It's pretty exciting times in terms of youth right now. You know, if we'd been speaking about this pre Christmas there was no real chance and now with the change in manager with Ollie at the wheel it's kind of a little bit more exciting and a little bit more this is Manchester United already Gomez has got minutes Chong's already got minutes and that's what you want to see you know we spoke about the young players before one of the best players for Man United over the whole Christmas break for the last two months has been Marcus Rashford he's been absolutely intense he's 21, he's, years, he's old. Been he's so 21 long. years old he's 21 years old and he's doing it. And then this is the exciting side. When you see someone like Marcus Rashford ripping it up, you're excited. Mm. But then at the same time, you know, we saw Lukaku score a good goal against Reading. Sanchez grabbed an assist, but still had one of his in-and-out games where at Arsenal he probably would have scored twice, three times. And it's this weird thing where these young players that are ready to cut him probably should be given the time right now. When we
2: talk about young players at United, we probably have to talk about McTominay as well, yeah. who... I mean, you talk about Chong, his star's rising, McTominay's star is yeah, fading. Again, Again, I think he's, he's, he's completely been brushed with the Mourinho paint, should we say.
4: the dark paint <laughs> is that, that, right? that, that nobody's enjoying uh, You know, Scott McTominay, wherever he plays. I didn't think he played that badly. He had a quite conservative game on the ball. Yeah, he didn't dominate midfield. Yeah, Man United didn't dominate midfield, but... You wouldn't say he made a blaring mistake that led to a goal or he didn't, you know, he misplaced loads of passes or but he just didn't get his foot on the ball. Maybe that is confidence. And I think Pereira was really rusty as well. Mm -hmm. So many of his forward passes that you've seen at the start of the season hit Lukaku's feet weren't. Then you look at Fred who played really well off the ball for me, won a lot of possession in really
2: good well, areas. You're one of the very few people that's said that Fred had a decent game at the weekend because a lot of criticism has gone his way and for me I watched him and he, re- re- he didn't look like a Manchester United midfielder, he looked like Jemba Jemba.
4: But then that's times. the kind of thing with a, a ball playing central midfielder that controls the tempo, you can't just play one game and expect them to be yeah, on, on that. the ball like, it's as simple as that and I think the thing with Fred, what he did well was you know, made the most blocks of any United player, won the most tackles, completed the most dribbles but at the the same time they take some real key points in the game especially in that first half they were twice where he won the ball high up the pitch and played Lukaku into the channel instantly mm. United should have scored two goals from those moments Lukaku was clean through, kind of let him down a little bit in the box, like his third or fourth touch, uh, didn't get the shot away, the other time Sanchez didn't combine too well with Lukaku, but they should have scored twice, from two moves that Fred wins the ball back and then they score, like the game changes then, as a ball winning midfielder that's just contributed to two goals, or alternatively, the goal that was offside, holds his run a little bit more, scores instead of the penalty, he scored a goal and he's been you a know, massive contribution, for me, he played well, and I thought Oli changed his system a little bit. He started with a, a flat free midfield, Pereira holding. Then he switched it to more of a two holding in in Pereira and McTominy. And Fred played as a bit of an attacking midfielder and pressed quite well. And I think with what Ollie said after the game, you know, he brought in this whole new team. It made it difficult for the players, yeah. is what his quotes have come out and said. That he said he also said it was difficult for them collectively to press because yeah. they didn't they hadn't played with each other. And yeah. all these things are factors. In the slight, no, extreme. it wasn't
1: a good performance. Like well, I'm not going to say it was a good performance. When well, City rotate loads of plays as well, we tend to have that like co- co- a yeah, coherence, yeah. Like you got very good players just looking a little bit confused. And I do, I will defend like Fred on that front because I actually always, I thought he's a good player. He played against City. He, he's a good player. And he was shout He was good. He was lively. He was intelligent. He's definitely not a holding midfielder for one. He's obviously a lot more forward thinking than that. Everyone's um, a holding midfielder when Jose Mourinho should <laughs> have manager. Yeah, everybody. <laughs> I think he needs. Um, I think he needs a bit of time. I think he's a good player. He'll just come good. He's just not in his best. Form at the moment.
2: It wasn't just Solskjaer that made it difficult for his players as well, though. The Reading team certainly made it tricky. A very decent outfit turned up at the weekend, and here to talk a little bit more th- about that, we've got Ollie from the Tilehurst End, a Reading podcast. Evening, Ollie. Hi, how's it going? Very good. Thanks for coming on, mate. You must have been reasonably impressed with Reading at the weekend. I mean, I don't. I think. I think a lot of United fans would have expected a bigger win, and certainly not the not the Reading that turned up.
5: No, not at all. I was pleasantly surprised by what I saw uh, the week. I think after we got beat 4-1 by Swansea um, on New Year's Day, I was sort of fearing the worst um, of what might happen against United. But you yeah, know, I was I was quite pleased with what we showed. I think um, considering you know, this, this team's incredibly low on confidence, I think we attacked with purpose. I think we, we probably I think we dominated possession, which was quite surprising. Um, you know, and we had probably the better of the chances and you know, just lacked that sort of clinical nature in front of goal. Really, to be but yeah, I was I think I did five nil. Um, before the game so was quite difficult with just a 2-0 defeat I think and not
2: really embarrassing Well as you say the build-up play was pretty good at times you just kind of lacked that quality in the final third is that what it's been like in the championship this season because if you play like that every week you shouldn't be where you are in the championship
5: no, not at all. I think but I think that is probably the main worry for us. I think it's I think we've got just two goals in seven games now. I think um our two top goalscorers, scorers, John Daddy Bob Barcelon, uh Yaku Mato. Um Meito, I think only came on for the final ten minutes or so at uh, the weekend and Bob Master wasn't in the squad at all. Those two have sort of had injuries um, in recent weeks. So I think we've we, we missed them massively because actually at the start of the season with both of those two playing, we actually didn't really struggle to score that many goals. It was sort of the conceding goals that we had the um, most problems with. But certainly without those two um, up frontals, we had Danny Loder up front at the weekend Is only 18 yeah. or only 19. You know, he's not going to offer you that much of a threat, I don't think.
2: Do you see it as Manchester United playing poorly at the weekend or Reading actually holding a good account of themselves? Because, as you say, it wasn't the result you expected.
5: No. I think, I, I think it's a bit of both. I think I always felt as though United probably could have gone up one or two more gears then I mean, they had Rashford on the bench. When you, I thought, I mean, he, he only played ten minutes or so, but I thought Rashford, I think, from, from what I saw of him at the weekend, if he'd played from the start, then we could have had really a really tough time yeah. um, um, up against him. But, yeah, I think... I think it it would be interesting to see what would have happened if that penalty hadn't been given or if we had scored one of those chances and to see how United you know, would have reacted to we you know We've we've seen so far under South Show that they've started off brilliantly. So it, it would have been interesting to see what would have happened, I think, um, if they hadn't got those couple of goals and if we'd um put one in the back of the net maybe.
2: The penalty was interesting because it opens up the whole VAR debates again. Yeah. Another, a penalty that probably wouldn't have been given if the technology hadn't been there. But yet, at the same time, there was five minutes added on at the end of the half for that decision to be made. It's very difficult to come up with any argument, isn't it, boys, against VAR now? No, I think it was good. I think it was, a, it was a good decision.
1: The thing that I could only be critical of is the time that it took. It took about a minute and a half, whereas it was a blatant penalty. It feels penalty. Slow, doesn't it? it? feels a bit slower sometimes than it does other times. It's weird. It, like There's a massive inconsistency about the speed of it, which I, I can't quite... Does that quite matter, in... though? Does that bother you? Well, it, it does if something happens. <laughs> I think that's, that's the only thing, yeah. doesn't it, really? But... I mean, I can't complain, obviously. I, I enjoyed the furore around it over the Liverpool City game in terms of crossing the line, but <laughs> okay, um, in general, yeah, it's a good thing. We can't deny it. Ollie, cheers for coming on, mate. Really appreciate it. Good luck for the rest of the season. No,
5: wh- no worry. Thank you very much.
2: The other question we have, obviously, Dave, about the weekend is the future of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, which we're already talking about. Matching Sir Matt Busby's record of five wins after taking the reins at a club, he holds the record. If he beats Tottenham in the next game, that gives him the record all on his own is there any way he's still going to be the manager of Manchester United at the beginning of next season can he hold on to the job But does anyone even want him to hold on to the job
4: I think it's what what happens I think right now he's doing a fantastic job and if he continues winning all of his games then you'd probably give him the job but then that's the sort of difference isn't it that United have got to go through some tough games now you know PSG are coming up got to play Liverpool and again Tottenham that's going to be the first real test and I think when you counteract this Tottenham team playing a back three is probably the thing you want to do if Ollie does that, I'll be really impressed. And I think that's the kind of thing. The weird thing with Ollie is every time he's made a substitution, I'm I, I literally, probably like 30 seconds before, i are be like, oh, you can see the sub about to come on. And you're like, well, this is what I would do. Right. And it seems like it's similar, which he's doing the right thing. He's not going plan B every single time, Marouane Fellaini, come on. He's being, we're <laughs> going to bring on Lukaku. We're going to bring on Sanchez. We're going to bring on Marcus Rashford. Like positive changes to yeah. affect the game. And I think that's the side of Ollie that you're like,
2: Good. This is really good. So why shouldn't he get the job then? Why shouldn't he be the long-term manager? If he is doing the right things, he's playing, I mean, Newcastle game and Reading game aside, the football's been improving slowly.
4: I think that's the thing, the improvement needs to continue. Yeah. The last two games United have been quite poor for their first few games under Solskjaer
1: standards. As an outsider, I say an outsider, as it can be. In general, I think the thing is, obviously, you always do have that new manager boot, don't you? It just happens. And given the excitement around him being one of their own, so to speak, the thing for me is like, I think the energy eventually runs out. It just does. Even if you get towards the end of the season, you've got to, remember that they'll go on holiday, they'll come back and everything kind of, all right, we've got to start again. And that momentum's really hard to keep over the summer as well. Yeah. And management's so much more than just gearing up the players for a game. You've got to be good in the transfer market. You've got to uh, keep players focused for several months at a time. And he could do well to the season, but there are there are legitimate questions whether he can carry that on into a new season when everyone's settled, when everyone's used to him, and the excitement's kind of died down. I'd be surprised if he's here next season, not because he won't do well, he might do, just because... I don't think he's actually earned it, Um, and I think that's a fair comment, whereas Pochettino, for example, if United go for him, well, he's been there, he's been done that in the Premiership, and I think that would be fair as well.
2: Well, what does he have to do to earn it, then? If he's not earned it by just being there and improving the football, so what is being special? I mean, if he wins the FA Cup, is that special? If he wins the FA Cup and finishes in the top four? I, it's think that's, not special, United, I think it? it's
4: the next one. You know where we're going. You know, yeah. Champions it's it's League. the Champions League. If he wins the, the Champions
2: thing. League, then you can't get rid of him.
4: Yeah, that? or even if they're United are they're really competitive in the Champions League, I think if United are getting to the semi-finals or they get into the quarter-finals, like that's an improvement of what's happened from last season. So you've got to look at that as a you know big bonus for Solskjaer. And mm. the, the atmosphere is the big thing, isn't it? And it's the positivity, and that's what has to continue for Manchester United. Whether it's with Oli or without Oli, whether Oli just does this little spell you know and then we get another manager in and then Ole pops back for another spell you know that's how I see Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. he'll be in and around Manchester United for his entire managerial career and that's a positive thing but it is, it is good and the the only thing that obviously Steve mentioned before was the, the new manager effect it is actually an effect there's a book called Soconomics which goes into football <laughs> statistics heavily and one of the things is you have a honeymoon period when yeah. you get a new manager that you do see the players pick themselves up or whatever there's all these different factors that come together when you get a new manager so that's the only danger that if United get <laughs> (laughs) back to this Mourinho default style that would be a worry and I think that's a big thing
2: there's a very interesting quote uh, coming out of Tottenham this evening which you might not have heard yet, only happened in the last hour or so about Pochettino's future at United I'm going to talk about that in a second, there's a little tease for you because first we're going to talk about another club in our patch and a club that I don't think anyone would have begrudged winning at the weekend in the FA Cup because they needed it Bolton Wanderers win over Walsall and tell us a little bit more about that we've got Daryl Morris from the Wanderer podcast online Evening Daryl
0: Evening guys, Good evening Jim, how are you?
2: Very good. You must be feeling a little bit more positive after the weekend because it was a great game. It was a typical FA Cup game, and you came away with the win and the place in the next round, which, as much as anything, financially is important for the club at the moment.
0: Uh, yes, that is certainly one that's certainly one way of looking at it, Jim. Uh, for sure. I mean, it was a it was a resounding five two victory. We didn't play particularly well in the first half. In fact, we were actually we were we were roundly outplayed in the first half by a, by a, a team um, a pretty much a whole league below us, they're sort of close to the bottom of the of league two uh, of league one, sorry. Um, and it wasn't looking particularly, it was looking particularly bleak at half time we made some changes uh, at the break and found ourselves back into the game in, in style, uh, five goals very very satisfying in lots of ways, I think you have to take it with a pinch of salt in that they are a league one team, some people suggesting not necessarily unfairly that we perhaps have found our level there um, and, <laughs> and, and, and that, that's a setting in which we thrive uh, which is probably uh, probably fair and I, I would love, I would absolutely love to be on the programme tonight with you guys talking about a fantastic victory marching into the next round of the FA Cup hoping to get one of the big boys <laughs> hoping that this can give us a little bit of enthusiasm and a, and a bit of a lift in terms of our league performances as well but we are besieged by problems it has been an absolutely chaotic Day in the history of Bolton Wanderers Football Club, Um, and and yet more drama from the top Um, and today has been I mean it just every time there is a piece of news regarding our our current ownership and the current situation the financial situation that we find ourselves in I use these 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 words you know astonishing and groundbreaking and point of no return etc and today has blown all of them out of the water it has been absolutely (laughs) unprecedented
2: Can you give us a little pot of history of what is going on at Bolton at the moment because I think most people unless you're really into the club you'll be confused and dismayed and surprised by everything that's going on. I mean, I think I heard that six players that should have been playing it, the weekend against Walsall weren't able to play because their wages hadn't been played. So, what? Very as quick, as easy, and as simply as you can. <laughs> what is going on? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, strap in. Um, well, we've had we've had a lot of problems <laughs> over the last over the last few years. Uh, Ken Anderson, uh, the current owner of the club. Uh, Took over the football club on the brink of uh, when we when we did some administration uh, several years ago. Uh, Since then, there have been question marks over how much money Anderson has, how able he is to fund the club, uh, etc. He hasn't been uh, necessarily forthcoming with a lot of answers to difficult questions. He's always been transparent in that he's published what he needs to publish legally. But he, he hasn't asked the difficult questions about where the money is coming from. Mm-hmm. There's been lots of issues with debts hanging over the club, with loans taken out. Uh, we were very nearly plunged into administration. The latest round of issues started a few months ago, where uh, a company that one of the uh, executives that were involved in buying the club, alongside Ken Anderson, being Holdsworth, a former player of ours, a loan that he'd taken out with Blue Marble remained unpaid. And so they uh, issued, uh, they essentially, you know, put put the. Into, into administration or onto the brink of, brink of administration, uh, that money was there was there was money from our previous owner Eddie Davis uh, mm-hmm. that secured the future of the club in that moment. Uh, in in tragic circumstances, within 24 hours of that being paid, he passed away. Eddie Davis, mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, indeed, very very odd, odd circumstances. Um, and uh, since then, there's been this continued uh, question mark of uh, cash flow. Uh, players have been unpaid. Uh, several players haven't been paid their bonuses, including actually the manager as well, Phil Parkinson, who hasn't been paid uh, bonuses for keeping, the club, for keeping the club in the championship last season, which was a, you know, a miracle feat uh, that he more than deserves his, his bonus for. And it's sort of come to a head today in that a player that we uh, bought uh, or we took on loan Christian Dodge from Forest Green Rovers with the understanding that he would be uh, bought in the January transfer window for a million pounds, has returned to Forest Green Rovers, been recalled by Forest Green Rovers, uh, and it's been revealed today by their chairman, by a guy called Dale Vince, uh, that the club, uh, that Forest Green Rovers um, weren't uh, given any money in instalments, as was expected, the Forest Green Brothers had been paying uh, for Christian Doidge's wages over the last four months. Also, just you know, just to mention alongside that, that the, the rest of the team, the rest of the players, were paid late uh, several times. It's also come to light last week that when Ken Anderson uh, made the claim that he'd personally paid the wages of the players uh, at the end of November, at the beginning of December, but that actually isn't. Uh, the, the, that isn't correct. The, uh, the, the the Players Association have come out and said that they footed the bill and they paid the, the, the players' wages. Uh, And Dale has made this, Vince Dale has made this absolutely incredible, incredible uh, statement today. Absolutely stunning. He said that in a conversation with Ken Anderson uh, over this missing money and over the the, the failure to meet the obligations uh, that Ken Anderson had promised. He says, uh, this is a quote from Dale uh, Dale Vince, sorry. He said, he said to me, you can seek a winding up petition and you can bankrupt the club. I don't care. I'm a secured lender. I will get my money back. And I think that pretty much sums up where where we've been over the last couple of months. Well,
2: I was going to ask whether it was hopeful that you'd remain, that this could help you, give you confidence to remain a championship club by the end of the season. But I think the challenge is going to be be being a football club by the end of the season and still being in existence by the sound of it.
0: Absolutely. I mean, it's been an uphill battle for us over the past couple of years to remain solvent. It's been an uphill battle for us uh, on the pitch and off the pitch, Uh, and we find ourselves in in dire strength. I mean, for me, there were question marks of uh, Ken Anderson when he arrived at the club. He had a a previous ban of, I think it was eight years from being a company director. Uh, he, uh, he, he had some serious issues around uh, the way that he dealt with uh, Southampton. There were lots and lots of uh, questions about the sale of, of Southampton on his behalf, etc. Um, and it is clear now that he doesn't have the money to run this football club. It is clear that his relationships with the footballing community and the business community are rotten. Uh, he doesn't have the support of the fans. I can't imagine the players and the staff are particularly pleased to be working <laughs> for this man. Um, and we, we find ourselves in a situation right now where I don't know where the... Out is for this football club and for Ken Anderson. He wants, I think, something in the region of thirty million. I think it was for the club twenty-five, thirty to thirty million is the speculated amount that he wants. He's claiming that there are several people that are interested in buying the club. The counterclaims or the counter-arguments or the the, the sort of the speculation on the other hand suggests that there are people who have scoffed at that price, who've come in and and been interested, uh, but have but have walked away uh, hearing that amount of money. And and, you know, if if those comments from Dale Vince are true today, that is absolutely stunning. That confirms something that we have suspected for a long time, that this man has his own interests at heart and doesn't care a, a jot about the football club.
2: Well, it's a big if at the moment. This is obviously the views of uh, Dale Vince rather than actually anything that's been confirmed at the moment. But like I say, if you, it is true. Absolutely stunning. Mm-hmm. Daryl, thanks for coming on. I hope we speak to you again because it sounds like there's an interesting story to unfold at Bolton over the next few months of the season. But thanks for coming on and giving us a feel-good factor about Bolton's win over
0: Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Yeah, looking forward. Again when we win the FA
2: Cup. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> cheers, Daryl. That's Daryl Morris from the Wanderer podcast. There was another feel-good story in the FA Cup for our teams this weekend and it was, of course, the massive win for Oldham, over Fulham and a really interesting story concerning their brand new manager who was supposed to be in the away end just a few weeks before the game he had tickets to sit in the away end and watch the team play but he caught a call he's the caretaker manager now his name is Pete Wild and we'll speak to him next on the XS Manchester Football Social
4: Manchester Football Social
2: This is the Manchester Football Social. I'm Jim. That's Steve. Hello. That's Dave. Hello. And there was a giant killing in the FA Cup this weekend. Not many giant killings, but one of them happened on our patch, and it was for Oldham against Fulham, masterminded by manager Pete Wilde. Here's the really cool thing about this story. The manager of Oldham at the moment is an Oldham fan. Not only that that he had tickets to go and see Oldham play Fulham in <laughs> the FA Cup and he was supposed to be sitting in the away end. He got the caretaker's job at the end of December and he managed to sit in the dugout and watch his team beat Premier League opposition. A little bit special, so we thought we'd get him on the phone for a little chat. Earlier on, I spoke to Pete Wild, Wild Oldham's caretaker manager, about his team's victory over Oldham and this is what he had to say. Pete, first of all, congratulations on the win at the weekend.
6: Yeah, thanks very much. What an excellent day for for the town and the club.
2: Honestly, when the game was about to kick off, we know the story that you had tickets to the game, you should have been in the stand. Where would you have rather been? The moment before kick-off, would you have rather (laughs) been in the dugout or would you rather have been in the away end?
6: difficult question because my fans do on want with, with the boys but with my professional my coaching career hat on definitely where i stood
2: what happened to the ticket by the way that you didn't use
6: I, I just stood it I just stood it kept hold of it Little sentimental stuff that now it's at home that it'll oh, stay course. stay on the mantelpiece
2: get it framed somewhere definitely yeah definitely does it yeah. mean more this kind of thing I mean there are other managers in the league uh, football league all over the place that probably support the team that they are now involved with or they manage we hear about people going back to their boyhood clubs when you're stood yeah. there Watching your own team that you're looking after completing a giant killing in the FA Cup. I mean, it's it's Roy of the Rovers kind of world, is it? Does it mean more in that scenario?
6: Uh, well, yeah, I think um, any football management role. I think you'd be lying if you said it didn't mean something to it. Yes, when you're doing your own club, and all you look at, like Chrissy Wilder at Sheffield United, if that's his club, y- yes, he does mean more because you, you, you're so desperate to do something for the town and for the football club. So, yeah, it probably does mean more. Probably, uh, i like you not sure you give any more extra effort, but it probably means more to you.
2: I was trying to count the places between Oldham and Fulham. I think, I think, yeah. I, I think it's around fifty-nine. I think I got to. I kept yeah, on losing. 58,
6: 50, I kept on losing bit. count. It
2: kept on. Because there's a fair old gap between you. When you're in the dressing room beforehand and you're giving your team talk and you're setting your team out, preparing for the game, did you yeah. believe truly that you could come away from that game with a result?
6: Um because it's an 11 v 11 contest and the message in the dressing room before the game was it's just like any other football match we'll get chances stay in the game stay in game as long as we can and if we did that we'd get our just rewards so we get we got our chances and, and it was really just say stay in the game take your chances when they come
2: i mean with the fa cup there's been a lot of talk about it having lost its magic it's this kind of game that really kind of brings that magic back in isn't it
6: yeah well a lot of Premier League sides now have different priorities and I understand that uh, with that comes more magic for, for the lower league sides and it becomes um, more fantastic days out for for likes of ourselves you see Barnett Newport yesterday so it just helps you go into the contest and helps your fans uh, keep that belief
2: the one thing I've got to talk to you about is it's got a lot of attention was your celebration on the touchline <laughs> it was called the BBC commentary team titled it as dad dancing which I thought yeah. was a little bit unfair firstly yeah did you think of that before? Were you like, if I, this is what I'm going to do if I win, like Peter Crouch and the Robot? Or was it more off the cuff? And do you have a name for the dance move? Because I think it's going to be in nightclubs up and down Oldham over the next few weeks.
6: The, the, the funny thing is, that it's not the first time I've done that. I did oh, really? that at Port <laughs> Bear when we scored the first goal last week. <laughs> yeah okay. uh, I think it's just the, the release of emotion and the release of, uh, of all your hard work and the your nervous energy built up to go and score I, I think it's I think it's human it's just making you look human by just doing what the first thing that comes to mind and not trying to be cool in, in that situation
2: Can you guys now use this in the league do you think the result is going to be a springboard for success this season?
6: We've got to use it we've got to use it the last three games as as like you say the springboard to push on. We are now right at the business end of the season where we've got aspirations certainly getting in the playoffs. So we've got to use results like this to sort of remind ourselves of what we can achieve and there will be that, there will be down periods over the next three or four months but we've got to make sure that they they don't last and, and we keep on progressing forward.
2: Good luck for the draw tonight. Good luck for the rest of the season. We always wish any much. of the teams in Greater Manchester the most success they could possibly have. Who do you want in the next round? We're a few hours away from the draw. Who you get yeah. fingers crossed for?
6: Well, it's been well documented. I keep saying Man United away okay. one for a financial for the club but two because they ruined my childhood dreams in 94 when you <laughs> scored that goal to equalise and we got beaten a replay and the interiors is coming out of Wembley
2: Wow a bit of vengeance what would that be like yeah. can you see yourself in the dugout at Old Trafford <laughs> managing Oldham to a win over United at home
6: Well I think that stuff dreams are made of but I, I can't keep using that line now can I
2: <laughs> Pete thanks for coming yeah, on mate. really appreciate it thanks, and good mate. luck for the thanks season so Good luck to Oldham for the draw, ten o'clock this evening. That's it for the Manchester Football Social. I promised you the Pochettino quote that I think's a hint he's coming to United. We haven't got time to do it. So if you get the podcast, we'll do it on there. Search Manchester Football Social wherever you find your podcasts and we'll have a little chat about that there, <laughs> all right? But I think it means United could be getting Mauricio Pochettino as manager in the summer. Thank you very much to Steve thank you very much thank uh, you very much to Jim. today <laughs> that, that was a, a lovely link to the podcast so make sure you go and check it it was out. wasn't it yeah. make sure you go and check it out this is the Manchester Football Social thank you very much for listening to the Manchester Football Social right we promised you the Mauricio Pochettino quotes we better get out of the way first so Pochettino said in his press conference today which is Monday the 7th of January this is recorded if we want to win titles talking about Spurs we have to operate in a different way Ooh. it's a short quote, but he's clearly having a little bit of a go at his employers saying, we don't have money to spend. We need to be investing in the team. And I think that's a bit of a hint. He could
1: be off to Manchester the, the, United. You don't make summer. digs at Daniel Levy, do you? That's the one. Lock
4: you in a room with a contract for 55 years. <laughs> for <laughs> for a radio radio f- you're never going to leave.
2: <laughs> go on, David. I know you'd quite like, Pochettino at United in the summer is that a hint, or am I reading too much into it?
4: Oh, it's an interesting one because I don't think he said anything. Like that. over the summer, he was fine with it. Yeah. Obviously, they signed up a number of players on on longer term deals, which was good for Tottenham Hotspur. He actually said the five new signings
1: thing as well about the contract so He was very positive about that. I mm. remember. Yeah. Which
4: again, it may have changed. His mind may have changed now with the United sniffing around, Real Madrid sniffing around, Bayern Munich sniffing around him. That. You know, he's firing shots. He's flexing, isn't he? He's flexing his guns, yeah. and whether he wants a new contract at Spurs
1: or he wants that move away, that's what he's doing. He's making that play. And why wouldn't you view him? Why wouldn't you sit there? And, because you know you're a hot property, everyone wants you, and he's in the position now to say, well, put up or shut up, really, essentially. It's um, never and, a
2: good move, though, is it, when you start firing shots I mean, he was very politely
1: put, I would say. Yeah. I mean, he's open to interpretation, and... But I think it's enough to run with and he's obviously now Manchester United manager. I think it's confirmed. (laughs) Confirmed. Brilliant. Excellent. Plan for
2: winning the league next season then. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. We've decided Pochettino at Manchester United next season. (laughs) Done deal. The other thing I wanted to talk about, I mentioned it at the top of the podcast because I used to love the old Masters tournaments where Mm. you saw, and it used to be club teams the old fellas from the club teams playing in these tournaments at the Birmingham NEC and whatnot. But you were at one this weekend, which wasn't called the Mass, it was called the... Star
4: Six. Star Six. How was it? Yeah, it was really good. It was good to see the rest of the world team was very technically good. Uh, England did well with potential hangovers to win the the final. (laughs) Uh, You had a little bit of a a spat between Jason McIntyre and Mike Lohan that was going around social media. Robert Perez scored a hat-trick in the first game. It was just nice to watch players like Mendieta, Perez, just doing... doing A culture as well, wasn't he? He was there.
1: Is that yeah. right? No, I love the Kocure.
4: Again, it's it's it was exciting. You, you forget how much Kocure body faints and throws <laughs> off balance. And the amount of like he, he did something like three or four no look passes and no look shots. He yeah. also. Right,
1: Perez was, was looking to get a oh, shot of goal, it dragged it past him, Just slipped it. It was brilliant. Bring it back full-time, because there's nothing that makes you feel better than watching a bunch of over- overweight, kind of overwashed footballers, because they feel human then. But so they're so still great players,
2: one. and it reminds oh, me of yeah. playing Sunday League when I was like 18 years old. Mm. And I remember this one guy, I used to play for a team called the Atletico Black Horse. Okay. <laughs> Atletico
5: Black Horse. Atletico yeah. yeah. Black Horse. There's
1: a pub with a Spanish name in front of it. Like, <laughs> <that'll do. laughs> there's this guy called
2: Simon, his name was, and I remember he had white hair, and a little pencil tash <laughs> and he used to stand in the centre circle best football I've ever seen never left the centre circle he used to just get the ball and give it get the ball and give it spraying footballs oh, all over the park
1: of his that's what it's
2: like that's what those games are like when you see the old players out of shape overweight they've still isn't got it? it haven't they
4: I Victor to watch, I and it. goal for the rest of the world Porto goalkeeper won the Champions League on the Mourinho yeah, was insane was he? he was unbelievable David, David James David James was still really
2: I can imagine really he is
1: actually because he looks like he's, he keeps in shape and all that yeah. kind of stuff Yeah. yeah um, my,
2: my David James fact he has a or had a 29 inch waist there you go <laughs> wow did, did you find
1: that yourself yep. did he offer that information <laughs> I How did you? often measure people <laughs> <laughs> at first put that tape measure but, uh, away no. Jim 29 inch waist that's insane <laughs> that's, that's more than me he's like six yeah, four. It's crazy
2: oh, right God. we better wrap this up thank you very much boys for today's show these guys will be back on Monday you can get the podcast or every podcast we do just by hitting subscribe do it now and we'll see you soon